Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Mark Hanlon, who's the co-founder of Jet.com. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ronan. Can I put the background of the company how it started? Yeah, so Jet.com started in April 2014, um, and we felt that there was a fantastic opportunity in e-commerce in the US at that time to come up with a company that would be very much focused on price and on helping consumers uh, by, by their everyday consumables, their you know, weekly shop, etc., online, which is not something that has much penetration in the US. And so that's where the opportunity for Jet came from. You know, a lot of e-commerce in the US is very much centered around single item purchases, you know, which a lot of it is driven by Amazon Prime, where you're kind of encouraged not to worry about shipping costs and you'll buy a single unit and uh, you know people don't think of e-commerce as a place to do their weekly shop and to buy their, their nappies and you know their, their Kellogg's and all the rest of it and so we felt there was a massive opportunity there to build an e-commerce platform that could be crafted around encouraging consumers to shop smarter which is what we said at the time you know that they would build bigger baskets take out a lot of the shipping costs um, and then that would allow them to do their, their weekly shop economically online. So that was the, the genesis for Jet, um, and that's where we saw the opportunity. And how's it going since then? Yeah, it's been going fantastically well. Um, we spent about um, 14 months building the technology, so we launched in July 2015, and um, to, to great fanfare in the US, our CEO Mark Laurie is a uh, consummate salesman, and uh, we had a massive first day we did uh, over two million dollar GMV which is the American term for sales on our first day and um, you know it's, it's only gone on from there um, we have grown the company massively in the interceding time frame uh, we've had great penetration in the in the market we've got a fantastic brand with consumers they, they view jet as a very consumer friendly brand that is you know high touch in terms of customer service and our message of low pricing uh, on consumable products has really resonated with consumers, so we've been thrilled. And, what we, and since then, you've taken over by Walmart, or that got converted? Yeah, that's right. Um, so we initially started talking to Walmart um, at the beginning of 2016, um, and at that stage, we were trying to get Walmart to use Jet's platform. So Jet uh, is a mix of a marketplace where we have you know third-party people like Walmart and Toys R Us and you know a lot of the big retail names in America selling through the platform, and then Jet has its own warehouses where it sells a lot of its own products. So we initially approached Walmart to try and get them to hook up to our APIs and sell Walmart goods through the Jet platform. Um, and at that time, when we were in negotiation with them, you know Mark Laurie, our CEO, and Doug McMillan, CEO of Walmart. Um, you know, really had a shared vision for what e-commerce should look like in the US. And, um, you know, as negotiations went on, the initial integration uh, eventually turned into an offer for, for Walmart to buy Jet. And, and that deal closed in September last year. And since then, what brought you guys? So um, it's bought us a lot, quite honestly. Um, you can imagine Walmart is the biggest company in the world. They have two and a half million employees so they have uh, you know fantastic range of assets that we'll be able to leverage in e-commerce um, when I think about the consumer facing side of it you know Walmart have obviously fantastic supplier agreements in terms of pricing buying the goods that Jet is selling on its site they have a 
the biggest store network in the world. They've over four and a half thousand stores in the US alone. So there are two assets that we can leverage to really build a strong consumer e-commerce website. So that's from the consumer facing side. On the technology side, again, they have uh, a huge range of assets that we're able to take advantage of. Walmart Labs, which was and is run by Jeremy King, uh, is based out in the Valley in California. And that was really a sort of core technology lab set up by Walmart to sort of innovate around e-commerce particularly and, and all the things that go into e-commerce. And so Jet's been able to uh, use a lot of the tooling and expertise and, and, and brain power that's in labs um, to, you know, help our platform grow as well. And are you in the UK as well? We're not in the UK, no. I mean, obviously Walmart have asked in the UK, but no, Jet sells uh, exclusively in the US at the moment. And do you plan to uh, expand abroad as well? Um, we probably won't expand the Jet brand abroad, no. Um, so the, you know, in terms of Walmart's view of e-commerce, we're, we're going to you know, maintain the Jet brand in the US. It's starting to become, uh, it's got, as I said earlier, a lot of resonance with consumers. So we want to try and build on that and, and have a strong brand with consumers on that. But I think any expansion abroad would likely happen either under local brands such as Asda um, or uh, under the Walmart banner. And also, what kind of tech are you going to be using the next couple of years that's innovative? Yeah, it was extremely innovative tech, and that was you know one of the big assets that attracted Walmart to Jet. Um, you know, we had a remit from the very start that we wanted to be the number two in e-commerce. That was really our goal behind Amazon, and so we knew we needed to build a platform that would be massively distributed, that would be able to take massive amounts of scale, um, that would handle you know tens of millions of products, um, and so we needed to build a lot of innovative technology to make that happen, and. Of course, I was very fortunate as a CTO to have a project where I have this greenfield, you know, not a single line of code has been written, but the, you're basically being asked to replicate the technology used in an Amazon. And so we had, uh, you know, fantastic latitude and scope to really innovate around that. Um, when I think about some of the specifics of, you know, some of the challenges of just technology, um, there's a, a range of, of different things we think about from distributed systems to machine learning to AI to obviously very high operational tolerances, you know, in terms of, you know, we would want to be at five nines, six nines, um, you know, dealing with, with very deep searcher algorithms, you know, search drives a lot of what happens in e-commerce, of course, and so we really have to have our, our act together in that game. Um, the whole technology platform is built natively in the cloud, so we're very unique in that sense in, in, in terms of large-scale e-commerce. So we've done a lot of things in all those different areas that have really set our technology apart from pretty much anything that was in the market. What about bots? Are you going to use them as well? Uh, we use bots in, uh, in in various guises. So obviously, um, you know, you'll use bots in, in all sorts of um, Internet of Things type scenarios, and, and really that's where our, our focus is with bots. So that uh, when we think about plugging Jet's APIs and technology into something like Google Home, or we probably won't plug it into Amazon's Alexa, of course, but Google Home would be very good at that for us. Similarly, with Siri or Cortana or some of those. Um, you know, AI system type things that uh, if you really want to be able to shop in a seamless fashion through them, that's where you'll use the jet bots. That bots can be a bit like a basic cookie. Remember who you want, what you bought before. Oh, right. In that sense, yeah, we do. I mean, we do a lot of personalization um, and a lot of uh, work around understanding who our consumers are, what they want, what are the types of products that we would want to surface to them to make sure they have a, a good shopping experience on Jet. So we invest a lot of time in machine learning and in artificial intelligence, absolutely. What about AR and VR? Is that going to be used as well? 
It is, yeah, it is. We're actually uh, pretty aggressively looking at the AR and VR space, and there's a number of different outlets for us uh, in that respect. Certainly, with respect to the consumer shopping experience, if you can imagine a world where you can put on a VR headset and you can conjure up a tent in a particular um, you know, scenario that you might want to be either out in a meadow or up on the side of a mountain or whatever, um, you know, that's, that's a fantastic way to sell tents online where the consumer really gets a feel for what they're buying, what it looks like in the environment, how big it is, uh, you know, what the various properties of the tent are. Um, and in fact, we just had a fantastic hackathon, uh, which, you know, the Dublin office here were, were very involved in just, uh, just last week, actually. Um, and a lot of the teams were doing AR and VR projects. Um, and so we built actually a number of prototype shopping VR um, platforms on that, which were really extremely impressive. Um, you know, the technology these days in terms of SDKs and headsets, etc., has, has really advanced. And, and so you can build some very impressive stuff uh, very quickly. Uh, and I did want to sort of also mention one of the interesting things we're doing in the AR category is, and again, this came out of a hackathon that we had at work. And, you know, we do do a lot of hackathons at JET because the engineers love them, of course, and they're very innovative. But uh, when we think about AR, one of the problems we're looking to solve with that is how do we direct our warehouse workers um, around the warehouse to pick stuff uh, in the most efficient manner and in the quickest manner so that they're not following directions on an iPad or whatever. Um, and of course, this was only a, a hackathon, but there's a lot of scope for something like that where you have an AR-type headset working in a warehouse and it would direct you exactly where you've got to pick up the product, what's the shortest path to pick up the product, etc. So lots of scope for using both AR and VR within JET. And what about, I guess also, going back close the line, to me tech where you can actually view it and it will look at your size and body and take a picture of you and tell you what clothes fit you best? Uh, that's not something I've seen yet um, at either JET or Walmart, but certainly I could envisage a scenario where we'd have something like that. Um, you know, the technology certainly there. We haven't currently looked at it, but um, you know, we are getting into fashion shoes in a big way. Um, Walmart just announced the purchase of Moose Jaw, which is a big clothing company in the U.S. We also recently bought um, Shoebuy, which is a, a shoe company, and so you're going to see their their products rolling through onto the Jet platform in time. And we will be investing a lot of money in making sure people can buy those. Okay, in, in Microsoft, right while ago, will connect connect. On their system, they had it set up now. If you're looking, so it would take a photograph of you, hologram you into onto onto the software, and yeah. then tell you basically what size you want, what clothes you can buy. Yeah, no, that's incredible, and you know that's as I said, the technology is absolutely there to do that. Um, it's just a question of getting it on the roadmap and, and getting the engineers to crank through that type of stuff. And I guess make people adopt it to use it as well. Yeah, you know, that's often the case with, with new technologies that uh, you know we can build something that we think is fantastic and amazing, but you know if consumers. Uh, don't find it easy to use or if it's not intuitive or if consumers are not particularly tech savvy you know getting that adoption can can oftentimes be hard because I've seen in the past when people talk about the cloud they were afraid to use it they didn't know what it did and now it's everyone's using it same with IoT now everyone's using it no exactly it is I mean that's uh, you know that's just progress in society I remember Dealing with my mom a number of years ago, she was doing work for the local school and she was just petrified of the security implications of having a laptop and she, she did the payroll and those types of things and she was absolutely paranoid about it. But she wanders around today with her you know, high-end Android phone and she's not really aware that you know, she's carrying a, just the powerfulest computer yeah. in her pocket and, and she, you know, she doesn't have any of the same concerns. And so, you know, they say good technology, you shouldn't even notice it and, and that's where we're going with some of this stuff. Because about two years ago, it was at Harvard Norman. Everything they do is I your home, which are exhibition, they have this uh, smart, smart homes. 
And two years ago, they were showing me these IoT devices. Yeah. And they were all out in the open. Last year was hidden. Exactly. Where are they? Yeah. So they're there, you still notice them. I know. We actually, myself and my wife recently bought a new house in the US and we're, uh, we kitted it out with all the latest smart home stuff. And it's seamless, you know, that you don't know, you know, the bulbs don't look any different from an ordinary light yeah. bulb. And, you know, the Google Home is squared away. It just looks like a little speaker sitting in the kitchen. It's, it's, it's fantastic the way this technology is melding with its environment. Yeah, for me, it was seen as fridge. So basically, we opened the fridge door, two cameras, and the camera could tell you what's in the fridge. So if you're away shopping, it will let you know yeah. what's in there and it'll tell you. What you, what you should buy recommending dishes you can cook. Yeah, yeah. No, we actually, again, not to harp too much on our hacker time, we had uh, one of the teams uh, looking at these Samsung fridges, which have these huge uh, screens on the front. They're actually, I think, yeah. backed by Windows 10, but, um, you know, we were plugging in our consumer APIs into those as well um, to, you know, make it easy for people to reorder the consumables or, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's great, because also, at the time, they also got linked into their own, uh, own uh, cookers. So if you want to make a pizza, it will, it will turn cooker on, so when you get home, it's heated for you. Just yeah. put it in. I know, yeah, it's incredible. I it's mean, scary. It is, yeah, everything these days, from cookers to light bulbs to cameras to thermostats, you know, you name it. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Not just the devices themselves, but things like streaming music or movies or whatever have you around the house, it just becomes a voice command. And, you know, we really are moving to the world of, of Iron Man and Jarvis. That's, you know, I can yeah. see that happening. For me, I'm wondering how to make it secure. Yeah, well, security is a big problem with Internet of Things, particularly all these early devices. They, they all had default, you know, passwords, etc. And I know they've been implicated in a lot of the attacks of the last year, but I think a lot of the, um, you know, market leaders in, in that space, people like Nest and Skybell, etc., they've absolutely got their act together. And, you know, I feel comfortable having a lot of IoT devices in my house. Because years ago, on your phone voicemail, it was four zeros was your, was your voicemail box. Exactly, yeah. And many guys still do, I've still got that and changed it. Yeah, no, I know, and and you know, in a sense, everyone should be responsible for security. But you know, I think the manufacturers today are starting to really take on a lot of that burden and, and just make the default position of any new device or technology just secure out of the box, that people don't have to rely on default passwords and things like that. Yeah, so. and I guess with Jeff, you, you made your security department to you, to you as well. Security is a massive concern at Jet. You know, we knew that when we launched the company, it was going to be done via a big splash. We knew we were all going to be over the, the TV and the internet and everything else, and that we'd have a big target on our back. And so while a lot of the different components of the platform, you can kind of, I won't say hack together, but you can start with a minimal viable product and you can build on it. You actually don't have that luxury in the security space. You really have to come out of the gate with as strong a security posture as any other um, as any other e-commerce company or bank for that matter that you know the bad guys see there's a brand new company there they've raised a bunch of money they've got you know millions of customers rolling through there and of course we were a massive target we saw on day one you know huge range of attacks coming into our systems um, you know thankfully uh, we've been very mindful of security from the very get-go so it was always built in really into the DNA of the platform into the culture of the company um, we've hired some fantastic security people some of the very first hires we had and so um, we did come out of the gate with this really good security posture um, and again that it's helped that we were a greenfield company now you know we weren't trying to build on top of legacy technology that may have had vulnerabilities that we get the opportunity to use all the latest and greatest around two-factor authentication, encryption. We use uh, Braintree, which is a PayPal company, to store all our card data. So no card data even comes into Jet's endpoints. It all happens from the client side yeah. through to PayPal. So um, you know, being able to do all those things right out of the gate has 
has really helped uh, make Jail a very secure company. In the past two years in America, people like Target have been hit pretty badly. The fact that you managed to, managed to declare that, people then trust you and you, you build trust on that, which is good. It is, yeah. You, um, you know, trust is, is, is extremely important in the e-commerce space um, and you know, we understand that and we understand that our customers' data is, is valuable to them. Of course it is. Uh, you know, it does have value in this day and age. And so, uh, you know, you have to be respectful of that in, in how you think about what you're doing with their data. And, you know, we've always tried to, um, you know, give that mind share to, to our engineers and to our security people that, you know, it's not just a fun engineering challenge to make shit secure. There's real data here on the line. And, and uh, we actually did a lot of early tech talks at Jet around security and we brought people in whose, whose, credential, you know, whose, whose credentials have been compromised, who'd had their identity stolen and it has real world implications. People's credit goes, you know, uh, goes to hell and, um, you know, it, it causes real suffering in the real world. It's not just, you know, ones and zeros and bits flowing around the place. There's actual significant implications and our team really understood that from, from very early on. So. Because I guess if you build as part of one of your security is, is top of our agenda, people are going to reuse again and again and know they can trust you and in long term benefits for you are going to be pretty good as well. You know, they are and there's a lot of sort of tangential benefits like that. When people know that Jet is a company that security has a seat at the very top table, you know, we have multiple executives attending weekly security council meetings within the company. Uh, they know it's a company that has invested in security from very early on. It has this double down effect that, you know, really smart security people actually want to work in a company like that. So that's enabled us to attract some of the, um, you know, really star talent in security uh, in the U.S. to come work at Jet. Our CISO is a guy called Aaron Feigenbaum. He, uh, prior to joining Jet, he ran security for all of Google's app business. Um, prior to that, he was CISO at PricewaterhouseCoopers. So that's a, a flavor of the caliber of individual we've been able to attract from a security perspective. And also, I guess, as well, because you're working with number Walmart, that gives you more credibility to hire these guys as well. It does, absolutely. Um, you know, Walmart probably have one of the most valuable data sets in the world, maybe after the US government. They have 140 million Americans come through their store every single week. Um, and they pretty much, you know, as you can imagine, have all sorts of data sets on those people who are coming through their stores. And so, uh, you know, they're a massive target and they have a, a fantastic security team. Their CISO is a guy called Kerry Kilker, who's, uh, you know, absolutely kept Walmart safe down through the years. You know, they've obviously been, been invested in technology for the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And so they've been there through thick and thin as security attacks have changed and as the bad guys have gotten worse. And so, uh, you know, they've managed to keep that safe. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's actually been a really strong partnership between what is a great security team focused on stores and, uh, you know, the retail world and physical bricks and mortar, and then the security posture of, you know, somewhere like Jed, which was born in the cloud, born in e-commerce. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, a really strong uh, sort of symbiotic relationship, I would say. Yes, I just saw you grow your hiring amongst that in Ireland as well, kind of broad. We are, yeah. We, uh, we, we took the plunge into Dublin there uh, about a year ago. Uh, there was various reasons for that. We, um, you know, we wanted a, a place that could, um, you know, augment our, our engineering teams in Hoboken. Um, you know, we do a lot of work uh, on our, what we call our tier one systems, which is our core shopping systems. And so they need to be up you know, obviously in functioning the whole time and, and, and we have people shopping, you know, through the night, obviously. And so uh, we wanted a team that was time shifted so that they would overlap with, with the teams in Hoboken. But really what we wanted was a team who could help 
really expand some of this core engineering excellence that we had um, at Jet and Hoboken. And we wanted a team that could take on a lot of the big projects that weren't just going to be, you know, thinking of operational components. And while that was the genesis for the move to Dublin, um, you know, we before we even set foot in Dublin, we decided that we wanted teams here who would be responsible for large parts of our platform and that will be working hand-in-hand with the Hoboken team. And so we took the plunge last year with fantastic help from the IDA, I have to say. Um, and it's been enormously successful. Um, we've hired a really strong core group of people here. And this is actually the same strategy we took at JET in, in the East Coast in the US. That you know, We really want to hire uh, you know, top decile type engineers who are you know, smart, engaged, passionate, highly experienced, and use them as a foundation then to build you know, what we hope will be one of the best engineering teams uh, in Dublin, as we have built one of the best engineering teams on the East Coast of the US. Yeah, so you've been here in careers here as well. That's right. Yeah, we're uh, you know we're you know as I said we've had fantastic success hiring here in Dublin. Dublin is clearly you know one of the centres of uh, engineering excellence in Europe, and you know we're able to hire people from right across Europe, and you know a lot of those people are already in Dublin, and so we want to leverage the great uh, experience we've had so far, and and you know obviously we're going to continue to hire very aggressively uh, in Dublin in the coming years. Right, that's good. Thank you very much for that, Mike, and good luck with the future for you guys. Thanks very much.